Hey there, this is Jen Wade, part of the core team here at Springs Church. We just want to say thank you so much for joining us and listening to our podcast. We are praying that it encourages you and it inspires you. And if you'd like to find out more about Springs Church, please visit our website, springschurch.co.uk. Here's today's message. Just before we take our seats, can we just lift our hands to heaven this afternoon if you feel comfortable doing that? Reach out to our Father in heaven right now. And just then, out of our heart of hearts, we just say, Lord, we want to meet with you this afternoon, Jesus. We want to know you more, God. We want to know your victory in increasing measure, Lord Jesus. Oh, we know that you have won over sin and death, Lord God. But right now in this life, in this side of eternity, there are battles going on in this room, Lord. And we proclaim that you are victory, Jesus. We proclaim that you are the one who overcomes uh, in our lives, Lord God. And so, Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your power made perfect in our weakness. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray. Come, Lord Jesus, just spend 10 seconds just praying yourself right there. Thank you, Jesus. Worship him. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Come in power, Lord Jesus. Come in power, Lord Jesus, we pray. Come in power, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. 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 Let's take our seats. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You glad to be in church this afternoon? You glad to be in church this afternoon? That's all right then. That's all right. And um, so uh, if you've been in church over the last three weeks, this is the fourth week of a four-part series. Well done, everybody, for making it. Is that good? Well done. We made it. We made it. We've been journeying together through a letter called Philippians. Everyone say Philippians. It reminds me of a Flight of the Concord song, if anyone knows that. Philippians, Bolivians. No, just me. Okay, so we've been going through a letter to, uh, to, uh, to a bunch of people called the Philippians. Now, what's this letter? Who wrote it? What's it about? If it's your first time in church today, let me, let me help you understand. In the New Testament, most of the New Testament is penned by a guy called the Apostle Paul. And uh, did you know that the Bible is lots of different books, letters, poems, prophecies, all put together to help us understand the overarching story of God. And uh, the first thing that we uh, said at the start of these four weeks was, after the Holy Spirit had come, what did the church do next? Well, the Scriptures are clear. that the, the, the church, they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. That is the disciples, the specially appointed disciples to take the message of Jesus out into the world. But Paul wasn't one of the disciples, Pete. He wasn't one of the original 12. No, he wasn't. But he was a man commended by the disciples who became apostles. He was a man commissioned by Jesus himself to be an apostle to the Gentiles. If you're thinking, Pete, what's a Gentile? If you are not Jewish, you are a Gentile. That's right. And so the Apostle Paul, he starts to write letters to churches to encourage them all across the known world. And if you were here last week, you'll remember um, Paul. Um, Paul has a really interesting story. Paul grew up in a city called, can anyone remember? Begin with T. Tarsus. He, he, he began his life in a city called Tarsus. He was a Jewish lad. 
He was originally called Saul. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. And his, um, his, uh, his parents had bought their citizenship. They were Roman citizens and Jewish people. He had kind of joint citizenship of two different lands. And Paul was incredibly, incredibly smart. He grew up in a city where philosophy and Greek understanding was all about him. The culture he found himself in was not like the culture that, he, that his mom and dad taught him about the God of Israel. And so we've got this, this godly family in a not very godly city. Do you remember me talking about that last week? But then Paul, he gets really, really zealous. In other words, he becomes fanatical, enthusiastic to the point of over the top for his particular sect of the Jewish faith. And the Apostle Paul goes and he studies under the, one of the greatest rabbis ever called uh, Gamaliel, or Gamaliel, as my dad corrected me this week. Gamaliel. And he becomes really, really passionate about his sect of Judaism. To the point that when the church starts, Paul hates the church because the church believes that Jesus is the Messiah and he is the way to God. And Paul's having none of it, none of it. He's so anti-Jesus and anti-the church that this guy, Paul, is actually hunting down Christians to kill them and to throw them into prison. And then one day, everyone has a one day, don't they? Do you remember life before knowing Jesus as Savior? And then one day, you encountered him and you became a Christian. Paul's one day was on a road to Damascus to a city in the north. He was going to hunt down more Christians to throw into prison. And on this road, he meets Jesus. Jesus appears to him and changes everything. We found out last week that Paul suddenly realized that you and I cannot earn our salvation by following religious tick box activities. But we are saved by the grace of God freely given to us. Have you noticed that when you love somebody, you just want to do great stuff for them? Have you noticed? Have you noticed that? Well, Paul, he discovers faith in Jesus and he just wants to live for God. And so that's what he does. He starts writing a letter to the church that he started in Philippi. If you remember, Philippi, this city in modern day Greece, it was it was a metropolis. It was a beautiful place, but it was real right-wing and nationalistic as well. Do you remember us talking about that? And how anyone bringing foreign ideas in was a traitor to the empire, and they were going to get in trouble. Well, we know that Paul got in trouble, but we know God got him out of trouble. Amen? Do you remember that praise party at midnight in the prison cell? Amazing. And so Paul is not scared um, of being in prison. And it's while he's in prison, he writes this letter to the Philippians to encourage them. Now, let's get the next screen on. There it is. That's the one. So we, we realized that this book of Philippians, this, these just short, uh, four short chapters, there's, there's a bit in the middle uh, in chapter 2, which is like the central theme that everything else kind of springs from. This central poem says this. This is Paul writing about Jesus. He says, Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he what? What did Jesus do? Emptied himself of all of heaven's benefits by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the death, uh, even to the death, death on a cross. Therefore, because Jesus humbled himself, what did God do? 
exalted him, lifted him up, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Does every knee bow? No, but every knee should bow. We will one day. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. And so this is the central idea. And in chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, there's all these different ideas flinging around based on Jesus. Humble but exalted. And this whole letter is a pattern for our lives. Let's be humble and let God do the lifting up. Incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. Wow. Let's flick the next screen up. This is what we've learned over the last few weeks. Just give a, mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. If you, if you remember these things. Oh, back one, please, Rich. That's the one. We, we, we've learned from this letter that God doesn't give up on us. That's what we've learned. Are you glad about that, church? We've learned that loving Jesus more and more helps us to discern what is pure. That's so good. We, we learned that in every situation, whatever happens, conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of Christ. We found that opposition often becomes opportunity for the gospel. Is that good news? Wow. Honor each other. Humility and integrity means that the, the church it becomes the real deal kind of a church when inte- integrity and humility abound. What makes the difference is not the marks we make on our body, but the marks that God makes on our hearts, we learned last week. There's nothing worth more than knowing Christ. Hold fast, shine bright in your generation. Springs Church, Jesus is still the way. Jesus is still our motive. And Jesus is our goal. Amen? Come on now. Come on. So Paul's been writing this letter for a while now. I imagine he's been crafting it. Maybe this was the third or fourth draft. But what you find in this final chapter is, like, I don't know if you've ever penned an actual real letter. Anyone ever done that? With your own handwriting? And then you've written yours faithfully or yours sincerely and then your name. But then you're like, oh, I forgot to say something. So what do you write? P.S. Chapter four is a whole bunch of, by the way, I forgot to say. P.S. Oh, this as well. And so he said so much already. But if I was going to coin a title for chapter 4, it would be this. Church, the Lord is near. Think about such things. The Lord is near. Think about such things. If the Lord is near, are we close to his love? If the Lord is near, are we close to his power? If the Lord is near, is hope on its way? If the Lord is near, is there healing in the place? The Lord is near. Think about such things. <laughs> so you ready for the PSPSPS? One more thing. Chapter 4, verse 1. Paul says this. He says, he says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, Stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Euodia, and I plead, how do you reckon I should say that name? Sintish? Should we we go with that? Sintich? I don't know. I plead with Euodia, I plead with Sintich to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, 
And I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. First of all, I love how Paul starts this. What does he call these friends? Does he call them friends? He calls them brothers and sisters. Have you noticed that in the kingdom of God, people who were far off from one another actually become family? Friends become family. We share the same father, and so we are brothers and sisters. If you hear us saying around this church, all right, brother, all right, we're just, we're just calling each other what we are. All right, sister. We don't say that so often, don't we? It was like, sis doesn't seem as cool as bro. All right, bro. I think I call most of the girls bro. All right, bro. <laughs> and um, I do. Is that right? <laughs> In the kingdom of God, friends become family. What do great families do, church? Great families look after each other. True. Great families nurture one another. Great families bear with one another. Amen. Come on now. We celebrate each other. We honor each other's gifts. Do we fight for each other? Do families, good families fight for each other? Go the extra mile. Good families listen and reason together, don't they? But they also apologize to each other. Is that true? Good families, strong families, not afraid to apologize to each other. I don't know about your family, but in my family, we love fiercely. We love fiercely. But we also challenge each other's wrongs. We cheer each other on. I love that Paul is saying, dear brothers and sisters, you encouraged to be a good family this afternoon. And he says this. He says, if you guys stick together, if you stand firm in the faith, you guys, when I get to heaven, when I get to heaven, I'm talking to God, right? He's going to say, you know that amazing church that you worked on in Philippi? That's like a crown for you, that is. Well done. Well done. And Paul's saying, Church, if we can stick together, gosh, God is going to reward us so much. It's so wonderful. It's so, so good. But did you notice the next few verses? And it gets a little bit juicy here. Because clearly something's kicking off in the church of Philippi. Have you seen that? What does it say? He says, I plead with you, Odeon. I plead with Sintage to be of the same mind. There's some kind of quarrel going on. Ever fallen out with your family? Isn't it the absolute worst? Falling out with friends is one thing. Falling out with colleagues is another. But falling out with family hurts on a whole different level, doesn't it? And I love how honest and raw Paul is. He doesn't pretend that problems in the church don't happen. And we must be the same, correct? But what's really interesting is this. That Paul doesn't bring shame to these two ladies that have kicked off. And I let my imagination go. I wonder if you, you Odia and Sintage, I wonder if they were part of the ladies' prayer meeting right at the start of the church at Philippi. I don't know, I'm just guessing. But they were clearly well-respected uh, female leaders in the church of Philippi. But something's happened. And it must have been bad for it to go all the way from Philippi all the way to Rome. Have you noticed that bad news spreads real quick? There's a saying about Gornal rumors, that if it's whispered in the morning in Upper Gornal, it's being shouted by dinner time in Lower Gornal. <laughs> Bad news travels fast, real fast, real fast. And something that had kicked off between these two wonderful women had reached the ears of Paul all the way in Rome. And he's writing, no, 
That's not how this is meant to go down. Come on. I love the fact that Paul doesn't go on a big bender in his, in his letter to embarrass or tear down or belittle these two ladies. He just says, be of one mind, girls. Come on. Let's reconcile. And if you can't reconcile, let's get Clement and the boys involved just so they can help you out as well. Let's reconcile. Let's be that good family that I've been talking about. I don't know if this argument was a minor incident that got out of hand or a major sin that happened amongst the church community. All we do know is Paul's main concern is come together, reconcile. In this church family, is it inevitable that there's going to be differences of opinion? Is it? Like, I know even amongst the core team, like, like we've got differences of opinion on, 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 on different things that go on in the world. And, but the main thing is this, unity comes before our special opinion. Because what God does in unity is he blesses his people. We are free to have a world of opinions, but we must anchor ourselves in the person of Jesus. My opinion, your opinion, let it be formed and fashioned and shaped by the person of Jesus. Let's not try and form Jesus in the fashion of our own opinions. Come on now. We have people from different backgrounds in this church. People with different life experiences, different joys and different traumas. But we are all on, the same, are all on different journeys to the same Jesus. So let's encourage one another. Let's bear with one another. Let's reconcile as we go on this journey. Why is he preaching this? Has there been some kind of mad argument in Springs? No, not at all. It's just, let's get strong. Let's get wise to stuff. A few years ago, I came across this proverb that says this. You might like this. It's Proverbs 17, verse 14. It's not on the screen. Proverbs 17, verse 14. It says, starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. You ever read this? Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Another version says, starting an argument is, is like creating a hole in a dam. Cut it out before you flood us all. Really good. Let's just take that straight from Scripture, shall we? In our families, in our friendships, in our relationships, in our marriages, parents, in our parenting. Let's remember that. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So let's drop the matter before a flood breaks out. You see, Paul is not making this stuff up. Jesus himself said, if you ever have a problem with a brother or a sister or anyone else in life, you must do these things. Number one, go to the person first. So if me and Matt had a great big falling out, probably between who's better, Villa or Spurs, right? If we have got irreconcilable differences, what we need to do is we need to try and come together first. If I've got a problem with Matt, I'll get to Matty. If Matt's got a problem with me, he comes to me. What we don't do in, in this church, what is not healthy for the kingdom of God, is to go spreading all of our dirt across everywhere. We go to the person and we put it right. Amen? But sometimes that doesn't work. So Jesus himself says, if that doesn't work, Take a trusted friend. And so I get Wade in. I'm like, Wade, you know me and you know my faults. And you know Matt and you know Matt's faults. Can you come and mediate between Matt and I and reconcile us? Oh, fantastic. Job done. But if that doesn't work, Jesus says, walk away. Walk away. Walk away. Don't let the quarrel become a flood. 
So Paul is echoing the words of Jesus. You odious sintage. I know you've got some stuff going on, but let's stand firm together. Let's bring reconciliation. Is that good? P.S. <laughs> Verse 4. Paul says this. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Yes, there are problems sometimes. Yes, sometimes life is difficult. But church, at all times, can we rejoice? Have we got something to be thankful for? Have we got a God who loves us no matter what? We can what? We can, re we can rejoice. And then he says this, P.S. Don't be anxious about anything. I know there are people in the room today who are carrying anxious thoughts. And Paul is saying to the church at Philippi who were worried about persecution, he's saying, don't be anxious, guys. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, he says, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Does your mind get a little vulnerable sometimes? Mine too. But we can guard our hearts by letting anxieties become prayers and petitions to God. And something in the ether of us giving our anxiety and our burden to God, God brings peace when it shouldn't be there. Peace that makes no understanding. Anyone need that today? Wow. So whatever makes you anxious, go to God about it in prayer. Verbalize your needs and worries to God. And then the peace of God will come upon you. And there you are sitting in your uncomfortable pew this afternoon. Saying, Pete, that's all very nice and good. Cast your cares, cast your anxieties, and then the peace of God will come. You don't know what I've been through, and you don't know what I'm going through. And Paul, he died 2,000 years ago. He hasn't got a clue what I'm going through. Hang on. Let me tell you a little something about Paul from a different letter. Is that okay? He's writing to a different church one day, a church in the city of Corinth, and he's saying, listen, you guys, you ain't got the right to say, I don't know what I'm talking about. And he says this. He literally says this. This is Gornal English translation, all right? I've worked my backside off my whole life. This is what Paul's saying in 2 Corinthians 11. I have been in prison multiple times for no good reason. I have been physically assaulted so badly so many times I can't remember. I nearly died I don't know how many times. I've been flogged, whipped five times, times 40. Five times 40 lashes I received from, uh, from the Jewish uh, ruling parties. Three times I was beaten with rods, not sticks, baseball bats. I've been shipwrecked three times. I've been pelted with stones once. After one night of being shipwrecked, I ended up floating around on the open ocean for a whole night. <laughs> and you're starting to go, oh, okay, fair enough, Paul. Fair. He ain't finished yet. <laughs> I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger when I've traveled by river, in danger from gangs. I've been in trouble with my own people who have wanted me dead. Foreigners have wanted me dead. It seems like trouble follows me around everywhere, whether it's in the city or in the countryside or out at sea. False teachers are spreading lies about me. Okay, is anyone going, fair enough, Paul? 
fair enough. He ain't finished. He says, I know what it is to be starving and with no food and thirsty with nothing to drink. I've been out in the cold and I've ended up humiliated and naked. Besides everything else, I've got all my concern for all you churches. (laughs) If Paul was here right now, I think he'd be saying, my advice is not cotton wool Christian cliche. I found it to be true. I found it to be true. So church here in Gornal, don't be anxious about anything. Easier said than done. But start to practice in every situation with prayer and thanksgiving. Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts. Church, this is an ongoing decision that we make. Our peace blossoms when we sow seeds of thankfulness to God. Do you remember winning the War of Your Mind series back in November? When anxieties rise up, we take them to Jesus, turn our worries into prayers, and invite the holiness and power of God into the situation. And the Scriptures promise peace will come. That's good news this afternoon, isn't it? P.S. verse 8. <laughs> finally, <laughs> not yet, Paul. I know you're not finally yet. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Wow. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. P.S. Verse 10. (laughs) Totally different subject now. I rejoice greatly, he says, in the Lord, that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Don't you find that incredible? After everything that Paul's been through, he learned to become content in every circumstance. Could it be that the current challenge we are facing is going to serve to help us be content in every circumstance? Don't be anxious, remember? Paul then says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether I was well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do, what's this now? That's a famous verse, isn't it? I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Let's say that again. I can do all things through him who gives, one more time, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of our acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving or receiving except you. Wow. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to you. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I've received your gift from Epaphroditus, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will now meet all your needs 
according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God, the Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul starts out, he starts out preaching and teaching the word, starting churches. And as he's going out all over the world, he's doing it off his own back every now and again, making a tent here or there to make a bit of extra money to feed himself. The only church that sent him support was our friends, the Philippians. The ladies' prayer meeting. The jailer and his kids. Do you remember? Wow. Clement. Sintage. Euodia. They were the only church that sent him help. I just feel a bit of a challenge this afternoon. If there were no other churches willing to help the story of the gospel, would we be willing to help the story of the gospel? Would we? It may be helpful for you guys to know that the 100% of income that comes into Springs Church, as a church, we tithe 10% out to other ministries. We deliberately give to other ministries to help them, to support them, to grow them. Remember Christina and Hanuk in Pakistan? We've never stopped giving to them. There's local churches that we've been able to bless recently, local ministers. We carry on. You see, for this church, do you remember the DNA of this church was generosity? Generosity was a lifestyle for the church at Philippi. Not a one-time event. Not, not one person. It wasn't just uh, Lydia on her own, putting her hand in her pocket. The scriptures tell us that the world of the generous gets what? Larger and larger. And the opposite is true. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The scriptures teach us that with the measure you give, that's the measure you'll receive. The scriptures teach us that what we do with our money is a story of our hearts. Wow. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. P.S. And it really is final greetings now. Verse 21. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. <laughs> Ladies at the Riverside prayer meeting, Lydia, Johnny Jailer and family, Sintich, Euodia, Clement, my man, you're doing so well. I love this church. We started it 10 years ago. You're still going strong. Keep going. 10 years in. Who knows what could happen in the next 2,000 years? <laughs> Our light might shine bright long after we're gone. When tensions rise up, Philippi, sort it out in a way that honors Jesus. God's not giving up on you, so refuse to give up on each other. When you're dealing with people, treat them like Jesus would treat them. Following Jesus, it can get you into trouble sometimes because darkness doesn't like the light. So when things hit the fan, when the bottom drops out, when life gives you lemons, when shots are fired, remember the, person, the prison cell praise party. Your humility and integrity, man, that's so impressive, Philippi. Also, take the pressure off. God is so proud of you, church. You don't have to earn his love and favor. You have it. Go and live knowing that. And guys... There's nothing worth more than knowing Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's invite the band back to, back to the stage. I think we ought to sing, going to see a victory. Going to see a victory. 
I pray that these last four weeks you've been encouraged with the story of Philippi. Normal people like you and I. Just where you are this afternoon. Why don't you just begin to pray right now? Why don't you begin to offer some words of thanks to God? Perhaps you've come in with anxious thoughts this afternoon and you need some time right now to offer some prayers of thanks and begin to experience the peace of God. Perhaps this afternoon, simple message of Philippians 4. If there's an argument kicking off, as far as it goes with you, live at peace with everyone. Ask God to help you put it right. Perhaps you have tried. Maybe ask God to show you who to help mediate. Maybe you've been inspired by the church who were generous, not just once, but time and time again, because it's just who they were. And you're like, Lord, I want to live like that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As a church, seven years in, hold tight, hold fast to the word of life, Jesus, so that you might shine bright in your generation. Seven years in, you've been generous so many times. Be that generous church. Seven years in, Cast your cares on him who loves you. Thank you, Father. Thanks again for listening. To hear more of our messages, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast channel for past preachers. If you feel like you got something out of today's message, why not share it with your friends and spread the good news of Jesus? We are praying for you. We love you. So please, if you need anything at all, check out springschurch.co.uk. God bless.